theory lets us know that whenever there is change, there's going to be resistance. In this case, you shared something with Liza and you were met with resistance. Yeah. Right? So from a change management perspective, you know you, the theory tells us there's going to be resistance, so you know there's going to be resistance. So you're at choice. Do I manage that beforehand or do I manage that after? But you're, you're going to manage it either way. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davy. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same, just like right now. So folks, how's it going? Christmas is around the corner. And for some of you, that's a really exciting time. And for others amongst you, it will be a fucking maelstrom of panic anxiety, stress, and shame, as it used to be for me. And so to help you with that, on December the 18th, which is a Friday, uh, 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock PST, Pacific Standard Time, I'm going to be holding an anxiety workshop. Why do we numb anxiety through the use of alcohol and what we can do to overcome that? So if you want to uh, join us, uh, tickets are $37, well worth the price of admission. Then go to or email us at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. 1kdaysober at gmail.com. That's the number one, not the word one. 1kdaysober at gmail.com. And uh, we'll send you a registration link. Alternatively, head over to www.1000daysober.com. Head to the workshop page and you'll see a link there on how to sign up. If you're not already, do so. Get over to 1000 Days Sober Instagram and um, uh, join us and follow the work there. Really good. We also have a private Facebook group. Email us at 1K Day Sober and we will get you into that little baby. And if you want to do some work on yourself, if you want to finally overcome your addiction to alcohol or cigarettes, then book a choose yourself call. Again, on the website, you'll find a way to do that and see if you could learn more about the Stride Method for addictions and the Stride Method for relationships are two signature six-month workshops. Uh, we're running group workshop programs at the moment and personal coaching options. Please get involved. There is no time like the present to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol, okay? Right. Without further ado, let's talk about our next guest. What does it mean to be a man? There are many stereotypes and misconceptions surrounding masculinity, but who knew there would be so much more to male psychology than we originally thought? In Reimagining Your Definition of Masculinity, Andreas Valencia talks about the different archetypes of manliness. He discusses how to improve your relationships and how to prioritize yourself in depth. If you feel restless, stuck, and without a purpose, uh, tune into this episode and find out how you can transform yourself and conquer your shadows. And don't think that this is only for the men. Okay, there is masculine female energy within both of us. And even if you are a woman, don't you want to know what's going on inside the noggin of your man? Episode highlights include going through the archetypes of men and radical responsibility. We talk about the 15 commitments model, theory of change management, empathy and vulnerability, healing instead of killing. Always prefer that one. Uh, working with our shadows and being magnetic. And just a little bit about Andres Valencia. He is the founder of Deliberate Breakthroughs and the Live Life Deliberately Movement. He believes that when you connect to your strengths, when you connect to your purpose and to that what is meaningful to you, the world becomes a better place. And if you want to learn more about this wonderful human being, get over to www.1000daysober.com to the podcast page and you'll find a little home 
with Andres Valencia, and you will be able to book yourself a little slot. And uh, book yourself a slot. What am I on about? Book yourself a slot. Um, check out his links. Check out his work. Yeah, and book yourself a slot to do some coaching with this wonderful man. Okay. So without further ado, I'm going to shut the hell up, leave you in the capable hands of Andreas Valencia, and I hope to see you on December the 18th uh, for our anxiety workshop. Take care, everybody. Andreas Valencia, welcome to the house. Boom, boom, boom. How's it going, my man? Doing great. Happy to be here. Ah, uh, it's good to... Like, i already done, like, a little intro before this. Okay. Um, just explain a little bit about who you are. But uh, for those people who just fast-forwarded it because they're fed up with the sound of my voice... Uh, just explain to people who you are, what you do. So who I am, uh, Andres Valencia. Guys who are in the States may pick up an accent, just like you originally from Europe. I'm from the Netherlands. My parents are from Chile. Um, ended up in Chicago, which is where I'm hauling from right now. And what I do is I'm a, I'm a coach. I support high-functioning professionals, entrepreneurs, prioritize themselves so that their relationships, their energy, their enjoyment match their business success. I like that. When I'm high-functioning, I'll mm-hmm. come and give you a shout. <laughs> you are high-functioning, my friend. I see what you do, and you've got a lot going on, and you've, you're transforming people's lives. We're trying. We're trying. I'm going to dive straight into the nitty-gritty of this, and the reason oh. I, I wanted to get you on it, I've um, been, been reading this book, uh, The King, the Warrior, Magician, Lover, and I've got like 8% of it left on my Kindle. It's one of those books I think that I probably need to read more than once, but never will because the content is, is quite deep. Uh-huh. But I'm just going to do a little bit of context. And I'm just going to dive straight into it. So what this book is about, if anyone hasn't read it, it's, uh, it's written by, and you jump in anytime if I screw this up, it's written by a mythologist and a psychologist, right? That sounds about right. Yeah, okay. I, right. I, I skipped the intro and the foreword and just went diving straight into the content. You, yeah, I always do that. I always do that. So this is mythologists and psychologists, and they're looking at male um, psychology, and they di- divide it by uh, boy psychology and male, like man psychology, and then they go even deeper and they call it immature masculine energy and mature masculine energy. Right. So if you think of it like like you're a boy until you are like, I don't know, you think you're a boy until you're 17, 18, 17 in the UK. And then you okay. think you're a man when you're 18 in the UK, right? Yeah. Like that's like the stereotype. Okay. Okay. But I realized reading the book <laughs> that actually I've been a boy pretty much my entire life, mm-hmm. especially in those dark moments when I've really been getting involved in conflict. And in general, uh, the two people in the world who get the brunt of that conflict is my ex-wife and my current wife, right? So where I identified mostly with this boy psychology was the hero archetype, which the authors are saying is like almost the the final uh, archetype to emerge from boy psychology, um, which we need to kill before moving into the, the more mature masculine psychology, right? So I just want to give you an example about how this comes up in my life because a lot of people listen to this and be like, what the fuck's he on about? All right, so a good example of hero psychology for me, fearlessness and thinking that you can actually, you, are, you can be, you're undefeated in life. Like you, can, you cannot be defeated. So I'm the type of person that I actually believe in my head 
even though I've had no fight in training, even though I've been battered so many times in my life, that I could go up to the biggest guy in a pub. If he asked me for a fight, I wouldn't back away. Like there's a part of me that would want to take him on thinking that I can. Mm -hmm. There's that. There's this real selfish, self-censored ego, put me first. I have to eat first. I have to speak first. I have to fill a room. I have to put my hand up in class. Like, and it's all to be recognized or to be seen and validated externally as being special in some way, right? Mm -hmm. I take huge risks. Like just yesterday, for example, I cut off all my freelance work. And my wife okay. said, my wife said, um, when's it end? And I'm like, oh, the end of the month. She's like, why didn't you, why didn't you wait for three months? Why, why did you just do that? Why have you taken that risk and put our family at risk? Mm. Hero energy. And of course, I didn't know any of this. I'm arguing, I'm fighting, I'm blaming my ex-wife, blaming her for my split. I blame my current wife for everything. And then I read this book, I'm like, holy shit, that is my hero archetype. So right. I just flew, flew a load on you there, Andres. Yeah. What is go what's going on in this little boy mind of mine? Well, it's funny. So you're reading the book, King, Lover, Magician, Warrior, right? And, and in that book, they describe the archetypes where, and they have this very simple model, which is a triangle where the mature archetype sits on top. And in the shadow archetype, there's either too little energy or too much energy around it. So if, if we stick to either the words within the book, which shadow, are, is this the shadow from the king, the lover, the magician, or the warrior, would you say? Uh, the warrior. The warrior. And so when there is too little energy in the warrior energy, it's the sadist, the person that loves pain, right? Receiving pain. When there's too much energy, it's the, wait, did I say that correctly? No, it's the, the, the masochist likes to receive pain. It's mm -hmm. the sadist who likes to inflict pain. Right. Right. So, so that, those are the words from King Lover, Magician, Warrior. Right. What I think might be going on when, with the, the behavior that you describe, right, there's still this idea, this, this bravado of I've got this all and, and, I've, and I've got it covered. I'll just dive in head first. <laughs> there is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Completely. So. And without necessarily being based on what it is that you said, not really. Um, so is this a thing where you said, I'm so convinced in myself, like I'm, I'm following divine guidance. I'm following uh, my gut and it makes absolutely no sense, but this is what I'm doing. Or is this a screw everybody? I'm just going to take my own path. And, and is it because there's a distinction between those two, right? Is this a higher knowing or is this coming from shadow? It's, it's changed as I'm... So this decision to quit the freelance work yesterday, mm -hmm. that came... Well, I, I believe that came from a higher part aspect of me, which was like, um, I am out of integrity as a human being by grinding, doing this, this stuff for four and a half grand a month. It is not my calling. It is not who I am. And if I can't step into my integrity and step out of that, how can I step into my integrity? How can I ask others I'm helping to step out of their integrity. And I guess the decision to cut it off now was, it's a challenge to myself. Mm -hmm. Why wait three months if I could just, if I have to really pull my shit together right now? So there is this, that aspect of it. There's not an aspect of it. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm just fucking risk taking, you know, because I have a great, great lot of fear, overwhelm, yeah, scared. Like I, I've, I've had all those feelings in the last 24 hours. So how do you feel about your decision now? 
I feel that it was 100% the right decision. Okay. I, st- I still have uh, a little sediment of concern and worry about financially just giving that money away, really, because I mm-hmm. actually didn't have to work that hard for that money. But it's the right thing to do. And now I'm kind of like, okay, universe, like I'm ready for this. Like, mm-hmm. keep showing me the signs. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this slightly different. And I'm just going to trust in myself and in the universe that this is going to work out. And I'm not going to try to get too pushy with it. Whereas in the past, I would have been, oh my God, can't believe I've done this. Now I've only got like this amount of time. And if I don't get this done, I'm going to have to go back. So I would be complete scarcity when I'm trying to be in abundance right now. Mm-hmm. So, so what's the problem? One problem came up, which I didn't think would come up. And that was uh-huh. my wife Okay, saying, what the fuck did you do that for? And then me having like this really super abundant energy clashing mm-hmm. with this kind of like scarcity energy. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Honestly, there was a part of me was like, go get away from me. Like, get away. Yeah. Don't touch, don't touch me with that scarcity energy because this this income, this money that just flown around the world, it is not mine. It's ours. Like, so if you're gonna put like your your tinge of scarcity on, I don't want it. Uh-huh. So yeah. so there, there was a confusion. What is the problem? There is no problem. Okay. Um, I, I do want to point out that maybe in the past. Because one of the shadow archetypes of the hero is the coward. Okay. So I, I, I see myself a lot in the grandmaster bully, yeah. but I also see myself in the coward. Mm-hmm. So in the past, yeah. I wouldn't have, I was offered a, a, a fucking brilliant job promotion when I worked on the railway many years ago. Mm-hmm. But I had to move. And I was so scared to take that job on. Mm-hmm. My wife didn't want me to take it. And I blamed my wife for not mm-hmm. taking a promotion. Yeah. That, that is the coward shadow archetype of the hero. Uh-huh. Right now, I'm not, go- I'm, I'm not going to do that. Okay. So I think there's something else at play. Can I take this to perhaps a different uh, modality rather than the archetypes? Yeah, sure. Because to me, this sounds like you are not taking radical responsibility. You're not taking 100% responsibility for your actions in that situation. In you the, at least. Oh, no, no. But I wasn't even aware mm-hmm. what I was doing until many years later, and I had to apologize and see forgiveness. I didn't well, know I and and that makes sense, right? And so you're not, you didn't in that moment take 100% responsibility for your decisions, your actions. You put it on her, you blamed it, yeah. right? And yeah, that, that is... I don't know if that's if that is the coward energy, if that is the archetype. It's possible, right? So it's but it's simpler than looking it into an archetype is the simple fact that you did not take 100% responsibility for your actions in that situation. Yeah, I didn't I didn't he, I didn't even know that that concept existed back then. Yeah. I don't think I don't I can't remember if that was me giving up brief I think that was before I gave up drinking, so I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. It, was, it was only when I stopped drinking that I read Jack Canfield's Success Principles that I understood the concept of 100% responsibility. But I'm even now I'm pushing that to the edges. Okay. What does that mean, pushing it to the edges? So if you were to say to me, Lee, do you take 100% responsibility for your life? I would say yes. But then you as a, an excellent coach 
would be able to point out, like if I came to you with some pain or suffering during a session, you mm-hmm. would definitely be able to point out where I'm not. You, you would get me to point out where I'm not taking responsibility, mm-hmm. where I think I am. Those edges, like just going one layer deeper on and how far yeah. you take this radical responsibility. Yeah. Can I introduce a completely different concept? We said we would talk about archetypes today, but I have a, a different idea where we can take this conversation that might be relevant to what it is that, you, that we're talking about now. Yeah, because yeah, I think it would really help people, yeah. So I learned this concept from the Conscious Leadership Group, and they have written a book that is called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. It is something that I do. You, you would love the book. It's something mm-hmm. that I take all my clients through in one way or another. And it starts with, they say that they have a very simple and incomplete model of what a conscious leader is. And then they draw a horizontal black line. And the premise is that there are 15 commitments, one, five, 15. And you either commit to honoring the commitment, which would put you above the line, or you would commit to not honoring the commitment, which would put you below the line. And the their definition of what a conscious leader is, is not that someone is always above the line, but it's that someone is continuously consciously aware of where they are related to each of the commitments above or below the line. So if they're able to identify that. Mm. So a conscious leader is not someone who does everything right. That's not the right way of saying it, but to give you the idea, but it's someone who is aware, oh, when I did that, I was acting from below the line. Right. And why, I, why that resonated with me as a recovering perfectionist is that it gave me permission to be unenlightened. It gave me permission to not take radical responsibility, which is commitment number one in the book. Take radical responsibility, take 100% responsibility. And there are times that we're just not willing to do that. It, 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 for whatever reason, we're in resistance to it. And what this model says is that's okay. Just acknowledge that you're not taking radical responsibility. Right, but you're aware of it. You're aware of it. That doesn't mean that there are no consequences to it. But because you are consciously aware of, I'm not taking radical responsibility, you're also choosing to deal with the consequences that come with that. So it's not free of consequences, right? Because I, I can already hear people saying, well, where does that put me if I, if I am just accepting that I'm below the line? Well, yeah, you're accepting that fact and you're owning up to it. And you're dealing with those consequences and you take ownership of that. I can... Okay, let me give you an example of where um, that... Like, so, so yesterday when I pack in this job uh-huh. and, I go, and I go downstairs in like utter abundance, like I'm so abundant, yep. I'm so I happy. I picture you. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just, people might be listening to this thinking, how the fuck's that possible? Like you're four and a half thousand pounds a month landing in your bank account for doing next to nothing. And I, and I say, I don't want it, right? Like, uh-huh. And I'm super happy. But for you listening to this, folks, and especially you people who've been listening to me since the beginning, I left the railway 10 years ago and said I was going to create 1,000 Days Sober and use poker as a stepping stone to get there. That was 10 years ago. So when, you, when 10 years later, you're finally there, you're finally saying goodbye to poker. Like, I was really excited. So then when I go downstairs and Liza isn't, um, and we start having an exchange... I refused to take radical responsibility because I wanted to be angry 
at her. I wanted to be angry. I yeah. wanted to. I wanted to put distance between us. I didn't want to kiss and make up. I didn't want to hold space for her. I didn't want any of those things. I just wanted to be angry at her. Right. So, but then, then I'm like, Lee. Okay. I don't want to be angry at her anymore. Mm-hmm. So then I then I stepped up and I said, Look, it was wrong of me to make that decision without having a conversation with you first. I can see how that has raised anxiety in you and that is raising shame in me. And that is why we're fighting. I don't want that. I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to deal with this and I love you. And I promise you that I'm not going to make those decisions again without your involvement. And what would, what would be most sensible to you? And she said, three, mo- three months. So then I said, okay, I'm going to go back to the guy and I'm going to extend the cut for three months. And she said, but you will be resentful towards me. And I said, I won't. I'm okay. I'm good with it. It's a, it's a family decision. Okay. So that, mm. is that like dipping above, above and below the line? So, so there's a few things, right? So I'm going to be switching between the model of the 15 commitments and archetypes. Okay. And, and, and I'll just um, pull up away the curtains and I'll let you know where, what part I'm looking at. Right. So commitment number three of the 15 commitments is feel your feelings all the way through to completion with the premise that there's wisdom in the feelings that you're feeling. Right. So you mentioned, I wanted to feel anger. Anger is one of those emotions. And the wisdom in anger often is a boundary has been crossed. And this could be, and you mentioned after that, that you're feeling shame. So it could be that you have crossed a boundary that you feel that you shouldn't have crossed, which is make a decision that uh, you should have discussed as a family, right? Yeah. So a boundary has been crossed. In this case, you cross that boundary and therefore you're feeling shame, right? Yeah. Fair or not? Because I don't want to... There's another... There's another I, I never thought of that last night, but uh-huh. I, can, I can see that and own that. I felt that my shame was coming from... I started to believe the story and then started to worry that I wouldn't be able to provide as a man. Mm-hmm. So, there was, so that triggered my, my constant hum of shame around, I'm not good enough as a dad, I'm not good enough as a husband. But yeah. what you just said there, yes, there was also shame that knowing how important it is for my wife mm-hmm. to have parity in this relationship, that was yeah. not an act of parity. That was an act of, I am the person who causes shots. And you were mm-hmm. subservient to that. That is not how I want to live my relationship, but that is how I've lived my relationship. Okay. So if I were to say that is in maturity, that would be the king energy. So the archetype of the king. And in the shadow side, both of them were playing up. Both the tyrant who says, I call the shots here. You follow what I do. And the weakling, the fear of I won't be able to provide. Does, does that resonate? It does because it also... Have you read The Keys of the Kingdom? I have not. No. So that, it resonates when you say king, uh, weakling, prince, and tyrant, because in The Keys of the Kingdom, the author, she's, she's basically saying at my age, I'm busy building my kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and women don't understand, like, okay, not women, let's just focus on like the micro. Liza doesn't understand that I'm building my kingdom. Okay. And, why, and why I'm building it and what, and what is propelling me and pushing me to do that. So it's seen like I'm being selfish, self-centered, et cetera, et cetera. And I buy into that story. Mm-hmm. But then when I read something like Keys of the Kingdom, I get a little bit of a, a I'm allowed to breathe. 
because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, actually, this seems like it's pretty normal behavior for a man. Okay. Sh- this is how he shows up type of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. but be careful not to use that as an excuse. Well, so, so how true is it that you're actually building your kingdom and that it was oh, my, a conscious my, decision? It's true that I'm building my kingdom. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I have that conversation the truth of the matter is I didn't have that conversation with Liza because she would have slowed me down. And she would have told me not to do it. And she would have told me to do it. She would have told me to do it differently. Everybody, actually, everybody I've sought advice for has told me not to do it the way I did it. Everybody has told me, sort your fucking self out, get through your block, do the work, take the money, and then let go of it when you're in a more comfortable position. Mm-hmm. And I've just been like, fuck all of you. I don't want to do that. So let's bring in another element into this and that's change management right so both you and i work with individuals through a transformation when we do that in the corporate space it's called change management Uh, and the theory of change management says that whenever there's change there's going to be resistance The, the theory lets us know that whenever there is change there's going to be resistance in this case you shared something with liza and you were met with resistance yeah Right. So from a change management perspective, you know, you, you, the theory tells us there's going to be resistance. So, you know, there's going to be resistance. So you're a choice. Do I manage that beforehand or do I manage that after? But you're, you're going to manage it either way. <laughs> well, for those of you not watching the video, I'm holding my head in my hands because this, yeah. like this is an integral part of what we teach in the Strife Method for Addictions. I teach people, hey. We're going to stop drinking or we're going to stop sweating. It's going to affect people. We need to get ahead of the curve. <laughs> and I haven't done that in this case. I've hidden away from okay. it. So, so you know this. You teach it. Yeah, but I didn't do it. Yeah. So w- what just landed there for you besides the awareness of I teach this? I think uh, um, an unwillingness to be vulnerable, mm. which, is, which is odd for me to say that because I feel like I'm an extremely vulnerable person. But like, the truth of the matter is like I just really didn't want to do this work because it just really makes me feel it reminds me of being on the railway again andreas and like what happened it, in the railways i worked there for 20 years and then towards the end i was a slave right like as a slave to money mm. like i had to wake up and go to this place where i hated like i i, I would cry sometimes going to sleep knowing that i had to wake up I would cry when my managing director was coming to see me because I, I despised the guy and everything he stood for. And then I just, everything about work I despised, but I kept going. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I just felt like it emasculated me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, I'm never going to do this ever again. I'm never going to work for anybody ever again. This situation is slightly different because the guy that I said, like, I don't want to work with you anymore, he, he doesn't want me to go. But he's also like, you know, I want you to follow your heart. He's like, you can leave anytime you want. Like, what you need? It's like really nice, like. But that's not my calling. Like, I said to Liza, I can't explain. Right now, I'm supposed to write this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to write it. Mm. Now that sounds really childish, right? Like, I don't want to write it, <laughs> mm. but I don't want to do it. And what what does that mean to me as a man if I'm being a slave to this? Why can't I just let go of it and just trust that it'll be all right? Yeah. So what's this thing that you have to write in a sentence or two? I have to write biopic, a biopic of Andreas Valencia. Okay. So that's the thing that you have to write. That's the, the thing that you were hired to do for the 4,500 quid a, a month. Mm, yeah. Okay. Got it. And that's where you've got resistance against. Yeah. Okay. And 
So, so why did you leave? Why did you make that decision? We all have stuff that we don't like to do. And I'll, I'll throw a, perhaps a bit of a cliche in here, but you don't have to be excited or passionate about what you're doing as long as you have to be, as, as long as you are passionate about where you're going. Because if I, if I, what's been happening is if I focus on that for 90 minutes a day, Monday to Friday, that's 90 minutes a day that I am not helping people. Hmm. So, so then it, then it becomes a clash of my values and then it becomes, why am I doing this? And then going to the Japanese word muda. So muda in, in Japanese is waste. So this is something we treat, teach in the uh, Strive Method for Addictions. Everything we do like is either of value or it's mm-hmm. not of value. Like it's waste or it's non-waste. And then you, can, you identify the waste, which in this case is, I'm going to spend 90 minutes writing a biopic. Mm-hmm. Then you say, well, is that value-added waste or is that is it non-value-added waste? Yeah. So in this case, you could argue that it's value-added waste because I'm earning 4500 So it, it provides us with value. Mm-hmm. But because it's waste, you need a plan to get rid of it, right? Yeah. So my plan to get rid of it is let's just not have it. And now I have to find four and a half grand a month from somewhere else. Okay. My, my wife is worried that mm-hmm. this four and a half grand turns up every month, irrespective of what I do. It just turns yeah. up. It's yeah. secure. It's safe. Yeah. Me yeah. saying, I'm just going to go out and find a lot of, someone's going to listen to my podcast with Andres and they're going to ring me up and they're going to want to work with me or join the Strive Method for Addictions is unsafe. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's going on with your wife? Because that's the other interesting part, right? What's, where was, what needs does she have in this decision? And you've, you've already said it, right? She has like need parity, to be safe. Like, yeah, safe, safe, safety, security, but also, also there's not this nuclear family dynamic between like the guy's the guy who's like, the guy's the guy who goes out and earns all the money and the woman's the person who stays at home, looks after the kids and cleans the house. Okay. Right, that is not, that is not my wife. Okay. Uh, I, we've, we've not talked that, that often before, but yeah, that didn't sound like the type of relationship that you have. No, so. it, we, we, we try very, we try as much as we can to split the time 50, 50. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. So this morning I had a coaching call for 90 minutes at Kaboom, as you know, yeah. and, and I, I looked after my daughter while I did that and it kind of worked okay. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so that allows my wife then to study because she's doing uh, functional medicine exams. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, so that me making those decisions independent of her is uh, is not cool. No, that's what she said. It's yeah. not cool. Yeah, right? I know it's not cool. Yeah. So it sounds like if her need is for trust, a level of security, and knowing that you're not going to go off do your own thing without consulting with her, so that you guys are together. Right? Sounds like those three things were broken. Okay, I just, yes, if they were broken, I, okay, I just had another breach of integrity just fly up into my head, right? Okay, what just landed for you or what just came up for uh, you? What just landed for me was, um, there are, t- oh my God. Okay, there, so there are times in, in the recent, so on my, on my 1,000 days, so it's flying at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's flying, it's going really well, and I've got to keep up with everything, all the changes, and... Um, so I've had conversations with Liza in, in, in the past and I've said, look, for a family unit, there are times when you're going to have to give up some of your time for me to kind of push this forward so we as a unit can go forward together. So I've been saying to her, you, you need to do this for our family. and mm. be really kind of like strict and in my head, like this is the right way for us, right? To the point yeah. where I've been thinking, 
you're not stepping up here if you're not if you don't see that right however i just i the same things just happened where she said to me you've got to do this uh-huh. for you've got to work you've got to do that one and a half you've got to find that within you to do that right in right now because we need that as a family right now so i'm well out of alignment of integrity if i'm kind of pushing the same see what i've done then i've, I've told her yeah. you've got to do a and then i break rule a yeah that's yeah. like that's like saying we're not going to have a, we're not going to have affairs in this house if you do there's going to be trouble and i go and have an affair it's the same thing it's yeah it's it's kind of a, a, a harsher analogy but but i but i value both integrity and uh being monogamous so but yeah mm. it is okay so that that now allows me so and i'm getting greater awareness that yeah. allows me after this call um not after this call when the time is right today to readdress that and apologize and mm. tell i think the apology is not as important in my relationship anyway as the recognition mm-hmm. and the awareness that i contributed to his suffering yeah and and often that that is part of the apology but but yeah it's mm. so i don't know if the, the people who are listening to this right because there is you can say i'm sorry and and the words i'm sorry are not an apology oh right? no no i fall and fall to that one yep <laughs> i'm sorry but is really getting you in trouble right mm. i'm sorry but puts it on her and negates everything you said before so but it sounds like what you've already figured out is i have to own up right take responsibility for and share your awareness for what it is that you have done connect that to the impact that it had on her yeah and just acknowledging that part takes away a lot of the sting and just something else to add to that for people listening and this is a mistake i've made many times we finish this podcast i go straight downstairs it doesn't matter what she's doing she could have her headphones on studying i burst straight into her life and i say sit down i got something to tell you i did this and i'm so sorry right and then i don't get the reaction i want and then i start getting my inner child comes out and i'm uh-huh. and, and i right now uh-huh. i know now i know hang on there's a time and there's a place yeah. that's my and that words are not nowhere near as important as my tone and my body language yeah. and and yeah. the whole scene the setup yeah you know so i have worked with physicians and taught them empathy and more specifically how to offer an empathetic response right and when it comes to the emotional context of the message a lot of people have heard this research but are quoting it incomplete so when it comes to the emotional context of the message only 7% is the words 55% is the body language and 38% is the tone of voice right right so and i might have just flipped that, those around but when it comes to the emotional context of the message keyword being the emotional context only 7% is words mm-hmm. and so when you storm downstairs it may not seem genuine that you are doing that for her it may come across it's to selfish. her that you yeah that you're I'm doing not, it for yourself i'm not i'm not that i'm not doing that for her this is I, this is another example i think of the, that hero archetype da, 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 da. i'm going to go save the day but who am i saving this when i read that book and it was like the hero goes to war for himself look at me i just slayed 100 dragons the yeah. warrior goes to war because he wants to save his family or he wants mm-hmm. to save the world right yeah. like 
I was, I was, that just like made me think of my dad. My dad never apologizes to anybody. Mm. So if I say to, if I, I remember once seeing my, my dad like treat my mother like shit. And I said to my dad, just fucking apologize to her. Say sorry, you fucking mm. dick. And then he went in the room and said, sorry. And he, and, and he meant it like, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. But he didn't know how to say sorry. Yeah. He didn't, not only did he not even want to say the word sorry, when you eventually got him to say that, he had no clue that actually there's a much more going on. She needs to understand your sincerity. She needs to see, in a way, like your vulnerability of opening yeah. up and, and owning it, right? Yeah. And for a lot of guys, that's hard. Super hard, yeah. People our dad's age have been brought up often with the idea of it's not okay to be vulnerable because if you're vulnerable, if you're vulnerable, you're weak. That may be at the root of your dad's lack of willingness to apologize because he didn't want to be perceived as weak. Right? When really there's a lot of strength in being vulnerable and, and opening those doors and sharing, here's what's going on for me. Yeah. And it is scary as fuck yeah. to do that. Yeah, he 100% he would think that he's being weak if he apologizes and he's being a strong man if he keeps his mouth shut and there's a, and and then attached to that is the fear of like i just don't know what to say and that that emasculates me as well like what do i say like it's almost like um i don't know what to say although that on many levels that's an emotionally intelligent problem i can imagine a lot of people thinking that's an iq problem like i don't know what to say i'm fucking stupid because i don't know what to say hmm. right and then so we don't apologize we act all brash we act like you know in a certain way and then that just becomes part of the 98% automation is going on in the back of our brain is driving our behavior every day. So, so where are you right now in terms of this situation? Because we were messaging back and forth and you said, okay, I, I want to, this was yesterday mm. um, in preparation for the call today. And you said, I want to know how to kill my hero, that hero energy. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. So me and you are in uh -huh. a coaching container now called The Leap. Yeah. And the first thing that we had to do in the leap was uh, an exercise called a burial. So just for you folks listening outside, we had to write a letter to ourselves or an aspect of ourselves. And then we had to take that letter to somewhere private and either burn it, bury it, read it out, burn it, bury it, and then just primal scream as much, just lose your shit as much yeah. as you can. My letter, I addressed to Ching, C-H-I-N-G. Now, Ching is the name that everybody called me when I was a kid. Mm. Now, I would, for some reason, like I had great pride in the fact that, that people call me Ching. They, people call me Ching as opposed to people calling me Lee. I, I, I don't know. I had some pride attached to that for some reason. Like it, it, made, made it, it inflated my sense of ego. But now I realize that everything immature about me, everything that causes damage in my life today, is Ching energy. Like it, so when I did the, the bearer, I wrote to Ching and I said, Ching, uh, thank you for like having my back and, and like taking me on this journey and helping me grow up. I really appreciate it, but I'm 45 now and I just want to release you from my servitude. I don't need you anymore. I wish you all the best. I'll always love you, um, but I'm going to go in a different direction right now. And then underneath that, I wrote, I am giving up my anger. I am giving up my smallness. I am giving up my uh, weak money mindset. And then I just went down a big list. 
And then I ripped, I nearly ate it actually. I ripped it up in my mouth and I nearly started eating it. I thought, what the fuck are you doing? I threw it out the window and then I just screamed and screamed and screamed. And then, but and a day before that, I had a breath work exercise for an hour where I did the same thing, where I was expelling out of me, ching, get the fuck out of me, right? Mm. So <laughs> to answer your question, how do we kill the boy? Mm. I think I did a pretty good job. Now, okay. I'm not saying it isn't going to show up, mm -hmm. but, I, but I, I think I've started my journey of stepping into mm. the king, you know, the positive masculine energies of the king, the yeah. warrior, the magician, and lover. Mm. Can I offer a completely different perspective? Yes. I don't think we kill, we, I don't think we need to kill, I don't think we have to kill that part of ourselves. Right. I think every single bit that has been in our past, in your past, in my past, has contributed to showing up where we are today. And there are parts that need healing. I will not say that you need to carry around all the heaviness around Qing with you for the rest of your life. Mm. But that part of you was also a little boy, and th there is perhaps the wounded inner child. And so that wound gets to heal. And that's work you get to do, I get to do, and the people listening to this conversation get to do, right? But that little boy doesn't need killing. In the same way that that shadow energy that we carry around, whether it is the, 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 the child, right, or the mature adult, but the shadow sides of either one of those, we don't need to kill that. What right. we can do is fully lean, in, lean into it, fully embrace it, and really sit in the darkness, in the depth of it, and then look it in the eye. And, and in that moment, that dissolves, right? Not by killing it and by pushing it away, because everything that you resist persists and comes back with a vengeance, yeah. but by being in full acceptance of, oh yeah, this is part of me. This is a part of my shadow. And I fully accept it, take responsibility so that it no longer has a hold on you. Right? And when it no longer has a hold on you, that's, that's where the healing has occurred. Mm. That remind, what you're talking about there reminds me of an interview I did with Orpheus Black a couple of weeks ago. We talked about submission. Like he's a, he's a dominant in the world of kink and BDSM. Okay. Um, and he wrote a book called The Enso, and he talks about submission. What is submission? But the way that he talked about it was pretty profound. You know, it just re it reminded me that, oh, helping people to quit alcohol, we're always focusing on our battle with resistance. But what Orpheus is saying is, no, no, no. We, we submit. There's great power in submission. So we submit to these feelings, not because we want to drink, but we submit because we know we've got this shit. This mm -hmm. is who we are. This is a part of us, but I do not need to pick up that bottle. I submit. I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to let these things do its thing and then disappear. And eventually that becomes 98% of uh, autonomous behavior because we've just managed to sit with it. So what's speaking to me as you're talking is, okay, I, I recognize and I'm aware of where the boy in me shows up. I have systems and processes in place to allow me to continually check that in form of journaling, meditation, discussions with my wife, conversations with great people like you. So then if you submit and just acknowledge that that is, and surrender that that is a part of who you are, mm -hmm. then the experience I went through on the leap becomes more of a ritualization into stepping into my power or greater power yep. and less than yep. killing and leave. Actually, what the way you describe it is more of an abundance mindset 
and mine's more scarcity. Like I have to, this is like, this, there's still a bit of scarcity attached to it. I have to kill this, kill this boy because I don't want to kill a part of me because it doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense anyway. Cause then I said to you, Oh, it's going to come up again. So like, what is it? Fucking Lazarus. Like, yep. Came back from the dead. Yeah. Right. So actually, yeah. What you say really helps. Really helps. Uh, so, and, and that's challenging, right? Cause what's in our shadow, it's called a shadow. So when you're walking towards the sun or towards the source of light, the shadow is behind you, right? So when you're walking towards the source of light and uh, when it is noon and the sun is really high, the shadow is very small. So when things are going well, we don't see much of our shadow. There isn't much of our shadow. But when things are, when the sun is setting, right? Let's say that that's the source of light. The shadows get longer. Mm. And we don't see that part of ourselves. It's a part that we, we really struggle to seeing, to accepting, and to owning. And part of our job is to be with that shadow and, and accept it so that it no longer controls our life. So that it no longer, um, back to the beginning of this conversation, I would say that uh, with how you described, like, I'm the guy who calls the shot in this marriage, right? Or in this relationship. That's that tyrant energy. Um, that you weren't really aware of that you were doing that because if you would have been aware of it, you wouldn't have done it. Mm. I did, you said so yourself, this is not how I want my relationship to be. Right? And at the same thing, the weakling, the fear of not being able to provide enough. Right? If you were to sit with both of those energies and really come into acceptance of, of both, you probably would have made a different decision last night. Yeah. I do, I do want the people listening to this to, to realize that when I say... When I say I don't want to have a relationship where I have dominant power over my wife and I, mm. and I don't, I want to make it clear that there is, a, there is an energy within me that really wants to drive me towards being dominant. Like, mm-hmm. while I don't want, like, I don't know if you're listening to this, my buddy, but I have a leap buddy called Claudia. Mm. And Claudia's energy is to control and to dominate and to take up that hierarchical seat just above me in terms of Mm. guidance leadership and stuff and every fiber in my body repels against that like i don't Mm -hmm. want that Mm -hmm. Um, so similarly in a relationship with anybody not just my wife it could be a relationship with with me and you could be mates i wouldn't there's a part of me that would want to be in the hierarchical status Mm -hmm. seat i would want to be above you in our dynamic this sounds fucking so bad. <laughs> I'm saying this. No, I love but it. I, I, but I have to fight against it all the time. It's like, yeah. look, look, Liza, I, I, I don't want to be the dominant man here. And then there's something in my head going, yeah, you do. Yeah, you yeah. do, man. Okay. And so here's the thing, right? This is, I would say, this is the shadow of king energy, right? The, the king is, it's mature energy. Oh, sorry, it's masculine energy, right? So we all have masculine and feminine energy inside ourselves. Within the king, lover, magician, and the warrior, so within those four archetypes, the king and the warrior are masculine energy, the magician and the lover are feminine energy, right? And as a man, we both have, we have both of those energies inside of ourselves. And a woman has the same, both types of energy. This sounds like the shadow side part of the shadow for you is the tyrant. Mm. Right? I want to be in control. I want to be top. I want my subordinates to listen to me. Yeah, right? no, 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 that's definitely. And so 
a cool exercise around that is really go down that drain, down that path, and really, really, really lean into it. Because I'm curious what would be on the other side of that. You mean where that comes from? Nope. The shadow work that I do, we take the shadow and instead of exploring where that comes from, we actually lean deeper into it. In the conversations that you and I can have, we go into the depth of it, we go into the darkness of it, how deep as possible, because there's something on the other end of that, right? So it's, again, not rejecting it, not denying it. It's coming into full acceptance of the darkest part of the shadow, knowing that right before the light comes, it's the the darkest moment. I don't know Mm -hmm. who I'm quoting, but I'm quoting someone. These are not my Mm -hmm. words. We go to that darkness, knowing that after that, something's going to shift and there's going to be space. And that's where the maturity comes in. And then you have the whole power of the mature archetype and the whole power of the darkness. And that is powerful as fuck. Right. I can, I can see why that would be so powerful because I assume a large percentage of men listening to this would never be able to just say what I said. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be able to say, I really, really, really want to dominate people and I really, mm-hmm. really, really always want to be in control of people. That's yeah. really difficult because it's, it's bordering on Everything that you're, you're told that is bad about a person, you're just saying that is you. But, but when I say it, I'm, I'm saying it with like love and compassion, like a, an, an awareness that it's just a part of being human and that I'm not different than anybody else. I really want yeah. people to like listen to that, right? Like I am not walking. I just said to um, Andreas, fuck, I can't believe I'm saying this. It sounds really bad. That is like an old remnant of external validation like a little bit shown up and a little tongue in cheek, right? Yeah. Me and Andreas are a part of a, a container, part of a community where we can talk about these things because we are, we're, we're okay. We know that nobody is going to judge us, right? But you can go one step further than that, I guess, and do the work where you can accept that people would judge you and that that is okay because that is human and I'm okay with that because I'm okay with who I am, and the dark shadow sides of me as well. But you're right. If people aren't going to fess up like that, they certainly aren't going to be having deep conversations in that area around that dark shadow side of themselves to see where it leads. It's not going to happen yep. without, without great coaching for it like yourself. Well, and, and even that, and th- thank you for that acknowledgement. I received that. But even within that, the, the individual needs to be willing to go there. Right? And, so, and it's okay if they're not. Mm. I had a client just last week, we were doing an intensive and, and one of the exercises that we did was feel your feelings all the way through to completion. And we got, it's, it's six steps that I take people through. And there's a step that's, that's a little bit different, right? And she said, I'm not willing to do that. And that's perfectly okay, right? So within that model of being above the line or below the line, mm. I just made it perfectly normal and safe for her to say, no, I'm not willing to go there at this moment. And so that's great. Then you choose to not feel your feelings all the way through to completion and you, you choose to be below the line. Mm. And that's mm. a perfectly okay space to be. Yeah. I had a, had a feedback for every time I do a session with someone, I, had a, mm-hmm. I have a feedback form. One mm-hmm. of the feedbacks said to me the other day, I came, I came into this a little bit worried that Lee would be ordering me around and making me do things I don't want to do. Uh-huh. It's really refreshing to know that that's not happening and I can go at my own pace. Yeah. Um, that is definitely a sign of me growing up a little bit. I think in the past I've been like, 
no, just fucking do it. Of course you don't want to do it. It's your resistance. Just fucking do it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Mm. Hey, can I they, they just a couple of minutes left? Like, mm. I'm a leader of this wonderful community. Yeah. People must be, some people might be listening to this thinking, wow, I want to join 1000 Days Sober. It sounds really great and so open and all that. There might be other people listening to this thinking, I don't want to join 1000 Days Sober. This guy's a fucking narcissist running it. He's fucking crazy. He wants to control everybody, right? Um, <laughs> you know, like, I've been doing this for 10 years. So, mm-hmm. obviously, there are times when this energy of mine, like, has driven people away. But this energy of mine has also fueled people up for change. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? How, how is that possible that, that you can repel people, but you can also change people's lives? So for me, the, the, the analogy of the magnet comes to mind. Right, so, so we're both business owners. We have our own business. That's how we make money. That's how we pay our bills. And that means that we communicate. Right? We communicate and put ourselves out there to share with people what it is that we do. And you can offer a vanilla message that you think will go over with everybody, or you can really step into your power and, in that ca- and, and, and amplify really what your message is, what you believe, be vibrant when you're sharing all that. And that's magnetic. And as you know, a magnet has two sides, right? So there's two poles to it. One part attracts and the other part repels. So to me, that makes complete sense. The more you stand in your power, well, Actually, it, it doesn't matter, right? If, if you were to speak, not even from your power, but when you would put a mask on and decide to portray something else, the same thing is going to happen. People will be attracted to the mask and people will be put off by the mask, whatever mask yeah. you choose to wear, right? It's, it's when you go safe and when it's somewhere middle of the road, vanilla, the McDonald's of messages, well, that's just a dime a, dime a dozen. Andreas, I just got in a flow state then. All right, I can see something shifted in your face. 58 minutes is just whiz by. So thank you for that. I'm definitely going to go away and, and read the 15, what is it, 15 Commitments to Conscious Leadership. Yeah. Definitely going to be reading that. And if you're listening to this, folks, and you want to work with this amazing individual, okay, then go to www.1000daysober.com, the podcast page, Andreas Valencia, like his own little cute corner, his little headshot. And you have all these little bios to his links and that. Go and work with this guy, especially. Do you work with men and women? Or do you, oh, yeah, you do. You work with men and women. Just I check do. him out. Yep. Go and uh, get a call with him and see what he can do. You've just had a sample of that. Um, I feel oh, ready to step into my masculine energy. Learned a lot. Had a lot of light bulb moments, Andres. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Thanks for having me, Lee. Just another reminder, folks, that if you want to work with Lee Davey, that's me, and the rest of the 1000 Days Sober coaching team, then get over to www.1000daysober.com and book yourself a Choose Yourself call with me or a member of the 1000 Days Sober team so we can see if you're a good fit to take the Strive Method for Addictions course, the Strive Method for Relationships course, or just join the Strive support team. And If you're feeling in a really, really serving mood, please rank and rate our podcast at whatever podcast platform you do or spread the word around social media and tell people to come and listen to us. Thank you very much. Love you all. Bye.